All right. Um, so I'm gonna crack open the books and let's take a. I'm also really excited about this because I'm sure we're gonna learn things mm-hmm. along with our listeners of like, oh, we could do this. That's what this does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be probably more effective in terms of me actually understanding how to play effectively this game than doing it before we started playing. <laughs> like, I'm probably gonna be like, oh, I get it now. Like well, four like, or five times. It's also for our listeners. We char- did character creation back in the summer and didn't, or no, it was last winter, wasn't That's it? Back or in the spring. It was like, mm-hmm. it was like right at the start of quarantine, I think. Yeah, it was like fe- February, March sometime. Yeah. It, was, it, was, yeah, it was late February. And we didn't start playing until late summer. So when we had done all of this character creation and looking up skills and different things, we had <laughs> several months in between when we started playing. So some of these basic things we're probably going to refresh on. We're going to be like, oh, that's what this mechanic does. <laughs> so what we're playing, the system, uh, is called Genesis. Um, and specifically, it's the Edge of the Empire and the Force and Destiny supplements that use the Genesis system and adapt it for Star Wars, the, uh, you know, the space combat franchise that uh, we all know and love. And the basis of the game itself is that it is a dice pool system rather than a target number system. So for in, you know, the world's the world's oldest role playing game, uh, one where you may go through medieval jails and face uh, large fire breathing lizards, you have a single die that you roll with bonuses that you want to reach a target number. Uh, with a dice building system, you have a dice pool building system. You have dice that go up. You accumulate a number of dice based on the things that would give you bonuses in a target system. And generally with dice pool building systems, like for instance, World of Darkness or Shadowrun, you build those dice pools, you roll them, and you accrue a number based on what the dice say. The dice pool systems, generally speaking, have a target number die that determines whether or not that individual die is a success, and then the pool as a whole accrues a number of successes. Genesis is slightly different in that instead of instead of each die determining things, I as the GM roll a number of dice that are bad for you. Um, so after the dice pool is built using a procedure we'll talk about in a little bit, I say, okay, this is a two challenge die challenge. We roll the good dice that the player have built. We roll the two challenge dice. We roll them all together. Failures on the challenge die delete successes that the players have rolled. And then at the end, if there are any successes left in the pool, the, the roll is a success overall. If there are no successes or there are net failures, failure has occurred and something bad will generally happen. Um, the way in which I determine these things is sort of narrative. <clears throat> generally has to do with how difficult the task is. The challenge can vary from one to five on average. Uh, two is considered an average task. One is easy. Three is challenging, four is very hard, five is borderline impossible. Some rare circumstances uh, will be six challenge dice, which are truly just impossible feats, um, requiring extraordinary bonuses, specialization, or narrative power. Uh, So in Genesis, there are 
six kinds of dice. They're um, kind of seven, kind of eight, but the, the, the six are the bread and butter. So on the positive side for the players, the most common ones are ability dice and proficiency dice. Um, unlike most dice pool building games where you add together like a characteristic and a skill um, and you get your total pool in Genesis, you take your characteristic, generally speaking, and instead of adding to it, you upgrade. So you start off with a number of ability dice equal to your characteristic and whatever your rank in this corresponding skill I want is, you upgrade that many to being proficiency dice. So for instance, Mia has a what in coordination? Um, what's what, like? What's your piloting pool, Mia? Let's talk about how you got it and where you got it from. It would probably have helped if I opened Roll20. Sorry, y'all. That is explicitly what I told you guys to do. I know. I, <laughs> I heard it and I was like, don't forget to do this because I'm still moving shit around my apartment as I'm, as I'm talking. <laughs> And- uh, let's 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 go let's go for the let's go for the downtown bomb uh vc20 what's your leadership <laughs> role my leadership role is four yellow dice okay um and that is because vc20 has a four in presence right yes four in and- presence and four ranks of leadership yes so he starts off with four green dice representing his four in presence. And then because he has a four in the corresponding skill, all four of them are upgraded to the yellow proficiency dice. Similarly, Mia has a what in piloting? Um, I have, well, which piloting? I mean, it's the same for both, I guess. But yeah. um, I have four die. Two of them are yellow. Two of them are green. Yeah. So you're, you're, that's an agility skill, right? Uh, yes, it's an agility skill because my agility is four. Right, so you have a four in agility, which is how we get the number of dice, yep. which are baseline baseline green, and then you have a two in your piloting, so two of them are upgraded to the yellow dice. Correct. On the opposite side, I as the GM have difficulty dice, which are the bread and butter. They are by far the most common ones that are rolled. They have eight sides, just like the green ability dice. Um, but they determine how hard a task is. So on a scale of one to five, generally sometimes six as a extreme outlier, instead of like in other systems, counting up the number of successes that somebody has achieved after rolling the or pool of dice, what we do in Genesis instead is we roll the difficulty dice at the exact same time. Failures on the difficulty cancel out successes on the pool of ability and proficiency dice. And if you get any successes at all, you have succeeded somehow. If you get no successes or you have net failure, you have failed, and that is bad. Other types of dice that you will occasionally hear, um, challenge dice, we sometimes refer to them as despair dice because of their signature. Um, they have a despair result, which is extraordinarily bad. It is a, it is a failure and then some. And then setback dice, which I'll sometimes refer to as obstacle dice. Um, that indicates that the challenge itself has not raised in difficulty, but there are extenuating circumstances. Uh, so if you're trying to make an athletics test, but the ground is slippery, I'm not going to raise the difficulty. I'm instead going to impose setbacks. Uh, on the other side, um, as a companion to the setback or obstacle die, there is the boost dice, which I sometimes refer to as the advantage dice because words are hard, um, but they, are, they represent extenuating circumstances that are beneficial. VC20 has a number of abilities that 
can assist his compatriots and grant boost dice uh, to the to their different roles. Um, the other factor is the other symbols beyond successes and failures on the dice. There are advantages and there are threats on the dice as well as successes and failures. And those represent things that don't make or break a situation, but can make a situation more positive or more negative by shade. Oftentimes that will allow characters to regain strain or it will allow me to charge them strain uh, for doing different things under stressful circumstances. It'll allow you to trigger criticals with your weapon. It'll allow you to do lots of different things that are sort of extra to the actual task at hand. And then we already talked about the despair on the challenge dice, but there is a positive, which is a triumph on the proficiency die. Those are the only dice in which those symbols appear, so they are rather extraordinary and important in their own right, and they allow you to do truly exceptional things. And that is the basics of the system itself. Going beyond that, since we are using a kind of a Star Wars-specific system, uh, there is the Force die, which you've heard us talk about Force points. That's where they are generated from, um, and Jedi in the story also roll them more often to potentially generate more Force dice since they use them as a resource. So when you see Jedi in the story, you can be assured that they are using Force dice either explicitly or behind the scenes to do their cool Jedi things. Uh, lastly, we do roll percentile sometimes, so those are technically included in the system. Standard 10-sided dice for a 10's place and a 1's place. Oof. Um, what have I not covered? Wait a minute, I have a question. So sometimes when you said I'm going to use a dark side point, mm-hmm. that means, oh, a character might have used a force power. Interesting. Yeah, that's exactly what that means. Really? Oh my gosh, it has not clicked until now. We are recording this like several episodes, like a ways in, and I have not put that together until now. Okay. Yeah, we just we just recorded, I think, our 14th episode on Thursday. Yep. Okay. Intr- that's Oh, that's cool. And now also going to mean even more terrifying things. We <laughs> 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 say, I'm going to use a dark side point and be like, no. <laughs> I like that you guys just let me get away with it for a long time because you were just like, oh, Brian's doing mean DM things because... Brian's a yeah, Brian's a bully. Doom in our other campaign, Brian used to make, take uh, revenge on us when it took us too long to make a decision um, by accruing what he called doom. Uh, which, like, I think if we it took us thirty seconds of silence where no one said or anything, he would get a point of doom that he could use at his leisure. Um, so I just assumed it was doom. <laughs> well, and to be fair, up until these fourteen episodes in, we're trying not to do any spoilers since this episode will be further um, earlier for those listening we haven't had a lot of experience with using force points for force things so it hasn't really come across or clicked that this is what that mechanic is for Um, really for me until today in particular because of some of the things that happened in the last episode so yeah well then yeah, I've gotten away with it for a long time. I was actually kind of hoping that you guys would never figure it out. <laughs> Do we want to go into some of our um, careers maybe a little bit just so people, because again, it, the equivalent of classes in another very popular tabletop RPG yeah, yeah, franchise? Yeah, that, that would be good. Um, so why don't, we, why don't we go around the horn, Mia, Kiyama, VC20, Eshka, 
and talk about what your class at the beginning um class at the beginning of the campaign and kind of some of the things it does and maybe we can also talk about like what career skills and what are and what they mean okay so mia hello everyone i'm a pilot Mm -hmm. um which means i pilot things all the time (laughs) and i'm really good no um so like my understanding, and I'm a delinquent who doesn't read rule books very frequently, so Brian, this is your chance to kink shame me if I do it wrong. Um, it basically means that, like, the skills that I set myself up with, sort of, I get, like, ranks, the choice of ranks that I get at the very beginning are specific in a way that, like, if you're a pilot, you're probably going to be good at things like piloting, which is a skill on the skill sheet. Skill sheet. Yeah. Um, so and the, the kind of the way it works you, is that everyone gets a career, which you can think of like a class, and a specialization, which you can think of like an archetype. And you pick both of those at the outset. Exactly. The career has a varying number of skills common to that class. They can choose four to get one rank in at character creation. The specializations then get additional career skills beyond that, which they can then put a couple of free skill ranks into at character creation. The important thing with... The specialization is that it gives you access to like your talent tree. You have different abilities that you can purchase uh, with experience because uh, this is not a leveled system. It is an XP purchasing system. So each specialization has a different talent tree. And within your career, you can purchase access to other talent trees. So you're a pilot right now, but you could spend 10 XP and get access to the scoundrel talent tree, both of which are specializations within the smuggler career. I just want to say, I really do like that it, Mia's career is a smuggler. She is yeah. definitely following in her father's footsteps. Mm-hmm. She's really, she's really daddy's girl. I really am. I really am. Down to my shitty rolling, I am. Wow. <laughs> just, oh my god, it just hit me. Like Han Solo has like a ten and a million charisma points, but he always rolls shittily. Like that's Mia. That's what she does. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> oh my god. Just really, just really Han Han's daughter. We have also, for the record, instituted a house rule where, in addition to being able to spend ten experience to switch. Uh, specializations within a career, um, you can spend 25 XP to purchase into a new career and one specialization within it. Um, so if Mia wanted to spend 25 XP, she could also buy, say, the Explorer career and within it, the Fringer specialization. Um, you know, think of that as like a true multi-classing outside of, you know, just getting access to a different archetype. Obviously, that's not going to be something that's interesting to everyone, but it is good to note because it gives it gives access to a broad variety of different skills and talents. Sorry, you got you kind of got folded into the explanation of what everything is, Mia. Fine. I'm cool with it. I'm just going in the order that you guys appear in Discord, so <laughs> Victoria, it's you next. All right. I will try and not be spoilery. Mine um, has changed a lot since I have 
started at the beginning, but Kiyama is a, oh boy, what's the actual, is a hired gun career Mm -hmm. um, with the bodyguard specialization. So she is a giant tank. Um, (laughs) And I didn't take much in the skill tree um, so this far through the campaign because of reasons that the listeners probably um, will find out eventually. But in the skill tree, I've taken a lot of things that have increased my wound threshold Mm -hmm. and um, helped reduce critical injuries and also my increased my strain. So I've basically used that to make her tougher. But that was my original um, career for her. Right. So what we talk about when we talk about talent trees is that uh, there, there are the skills. So the things that you actually roll piloting, coordination, athletics, VC20's leadership. And then there are talents, which are extra qualities or different moves that you can make. Um, for instance, actually VC20 is probably the best example of those things. So why don't you talk about him a little bit, Chris? So VC20 is a colonist with the Politico specialization, which gives him access to a lot of things that allow him to reduce the difficulty of incoming skill checks. Yeah. Like, for example, we have um, Kill with Kindness, which removes, I believe we're calling them obstacle dice. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so the, the, the talents can do things that are, think of them as like ex, um, in, intrinsic qualities or learned abilities. Um, so VC20's Kill with Kindness in situations where I, the GM, would impose obstacles on VC20, instead, kill with kindness reduces those obstacles uh, that he those that he uh, would would otherwise encounter. It's it's basically insurance to make sure that uh, he is not uh, penalized o- over much. Um, in addition, uh, later on in the series, I believe you take uh, or mid. Midway, about midway through what we've done so far, I believe you take inspiring rhetoric, um, which allows allies to recover strain. Like he gets an extra way to spend his action uh, through his talents. Think of them as not like spells, but more like class abilities in that uh, different archetypes would get in another famous role playing game. I also just want to emphasize that VC20 does not have a single rank in any combat skill. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he'd better be real good at talking. He is a he is a committed diplomancer, like one hundred percent. I think we, I think it's just Rebecca after that. A difference again in the other very popular RPG game um, is how um, like HP and stuff is done. You have mm-hmm. it kind of divided into wounds and strain, which is um, physical damage and almost like your mental focus or capacity, just like your stress level, essentially, is how I divide it. When you, um, and then you also have something called soak and defense, which I'm not really sure what the difference between soak and defense is, but soak is almost your armor rating um, and what boosts your AC in other RPGs, other so, famous RPG. So what's interesting is that actually defense is more like that because defense is oh. the thing. Defense is the thing that makes you harder to hit. Oh, okay. So I need to put one on mine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Soak is what makes you makes makes those hits less relevant. So 
I guess we can we can talk a little bit about combat in between probably the two least combat focused characters. Ironically, <laughs> combat is fairly straightforward. You everybody is making a two challenge attack roll with some skill. Uh, ranged light for pistols and the like, ranged heavy for rifles or more explosive weapons. Um, some people at some point will be making lightsaber attacks, not going to say who. Extra successes mean extra damage. Um, advantage means that there is a chance that they can activate special abilities or score criticals. Once damage has been determined, soak is subtracted from it before it comes away from your wounds. Um, so Kiyama, for instance, being very tough, has a four soak. So any incoming damage is lowered by four before it hits her, uh, which means that not every um, not every shot is necessarily going to do something to her. Uh, armor can improve your soak, or it can make it more difficult for you to be hit. Okay, that makes sense. What is encumbrance? That is to keep players from walking around with an arsenal, essentially. Mm, um, every okay. weapon, every weapon has an encumbrance involvement. Uh, you guys have. You guys have been traveling very light vis-a-vis weapons. Edge of the Empire usually has people who are doing worse things in shadier ways. So it matters to, <laughs> it matters to keep track of it. Um, you guys generally are strapped with one weapon at a time. Um, there was a brief moment in the Felucian jungle where I think Eshka was carrying like an assault an, an assault rifle that I probably should have made her be encumbered for but other than that like it it just has not come up really yes i briefly briefly was uh packing big heat (laughs) uh do you want to talk a little bit about eshka's career and specialization rebecca yeah uh so eshka is a technician and technicians are i mean it's what it sounds like uh they have pretty much anything to do with Mechanical devices, droids, um, the the mechanical end of ships and transportation and weapons um, in terms of building them, fixing them, operating them, upgrading them, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, and there are a few different specializations. Uh, one which is... Eshka's specialization is mechanic. Um, So they are more in terms of like repairs and um, it's it's a little sort of more general. Um, They, I would say it's mostly about like repairs in general. Um, You know, oh, the thing on the ship busted cool the the mechanic can fix it um that kind of thing uh there is another specialization called outlaw tech um which is about which spe- well which specializes in taking things and giving them upgrades that are not standard <laughs> so do you want your blaster to be much more powerful than it was designed to be, then you want someone who specializes in outlaw tech. Do you want, um, you know, uh, one of your droids programming 
altered and augmented in such a way that they can do something that that type of droid is generally not designed to do. Cool. Call in an outlaw tech. Um, They're and, professional warranty voiders. Yes, <laughs> basically. Um, and then there are also slicers, um, which is, you know, the hackers, basically. <laughs> yeah, a very, um, I feel, underexplored element of the, um, the base franchise. Agreed. Which One which I would be uh, excited at some point if uh, Eshka got more into. Yeah, I thought about um, going with Slicer for her, but like as I was thinking of like her backstory and her character, I'm like, I, I, I want her to be a mechanic. But I was very tempted by Slicer. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, with the skill trees, you can, you know, pick up some traits of those other things. Um, you know, with the mechanics skill tree, um, Eshka will have the option of picking up some... Uh, career skills that will allow her to do outlaw tech type of things. Um, just, you know, not as many opportunities in that direction as someone who specialized in outlaw tech would get. I mean, I, you mentioned backstory, which reminds me of there are a couple of like, not meta things exactly, but more like narrative mechanics. Um, because during character creation, you guys each chose sort of obligations based on your backstory. And that comes up, uh, especially in the first, I think, 10 episodes or so. Um, your backstories are very relevant because what those obligations did was they allowed you to take extra experience or extra starting money in exchange for more obligation. And what I do at the beginning of each session is I roll a percentage chance on a chart generated by how large those obligations are. And if your number comes up, your obligation comes into play. Um, so there, there is a very good moment um, where Eshka's backstory comes in, Mia's backstory comes in at a couple of critical junctures because of, because of that obligation role. So does Kiyama's. VC20's number has yet to come up as of this recording, but that is certainly not going to be the case forever. Uh, those backstory obligations essentially give you a character edge at the cost of narrative trouble, basically guaranteed at some point down the line. And especially as things have gone on, I have sort of set aside and banked different things. Narratively speaking, there's a couple of different things like lurking around in the background, like, mm, you know, somebody's number has come up, but it's not the time for it. So I'm going to put that aside and you know, their life will be hard later when the mm. time is right. I like that. So rest assured, you guys are still going to, you know, have all of the troubles that you would have had. They just, you know, might come not when you expect them to. All those despair that I, you've been banking forever. The <clears throat> one other thing I can think of that people might want to know, especially as we go forward, and this is kind of our, refer back to this episode if you have questions about how this works. Do we want to talk about how force users work as a class because if people are interested in trying out the Star Wars RPG, I know Jedi and Sith are kind of the um, the bread and butter. The people, the, the attractive, uh, the the thing you put up on the side of the billboard to get people to stop yeah, here. They're, they're, they're a big um, selling point. Big so, selling um, point. So, so let me preface this by saying that one of my big, like we knew we wanted to play a Star Wars game. We knew we wanted to make like a Star Wars 
serial numbers kind of filed off kind of podcast. Um, not that filed off, but you know, you get the idea. <laughs> not filed not filed off enough to to monetize this product. But the the thing that really attracted me to Force and Destiny um, and Edge of the Empire is that we knew we wanted to play a scenario where mostly people were not force users. Um, but some people were like, I wanted to leave the option open and in past star Wars systems, that was super problematic, like force users and non force users just were not balanced, even though they came in the same core rule book. I had never, you know, I played, I think two different star Wars systems prior to these. And it it, the 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 house rule we had during character creation was either everybody's a Jedi or nobody's a Jedi because you just couldn't you couldn't cross the streams. Um, the thing I really like about this system is that that is not the case. Um, it force users as PCs as NPCs who are built with PC rules things like that. If everybody is on an equal XP level, nobody is better or worse than anybody else. I would I would argue, as far as I can tell, I think that VC20 is probably the most OP character right now, and he is the furthest thing from a Force user that you can imagine. <laughs> and that's not me, like, scolding or chastising anybody for their build or anything like that, but it's more my way of saying, like, this system is great because not everybody has to be a Jedi. You can tell cool stories with everybody just able to play what they want to play, and I love that. So how Jedi work are, we've talked about light side points and dark side points uh, throughout the podcast. And those are like a narrative currency. I, Brian, spend dark side points. I make the players' lives harder by upgrading my dice. Players can spend light side points to upgrade their dice and try to meet my challenges. There's a sort of currency system to it that we don't need to get into. Check out the books if you want to understand that. But the way that Jedi work are... They add an additional use to that meta currency. They have force dice that they roll that can generate those points, and then they can spend either dark or light side points in order to activate their powers. So based on their choice of light side points or dark side points, it can lead them into light side and dark side morality, um, which is where, you know, the sort of like, do I use a dark side point because it's the only thing I have? And, you know, kind of give in to the quick and dangerous path. Do I opt to not use the force because I don't have, I, you know, I'm not assured of being able to use light side points. So I'm going to exhibit Jedi prudence, that kind of thing. Um, they have whole separate talent trees exterior to their class that they can spend XP on uh, to purchase different force powers. And they're activated with that narrative force point currency. Is there anything else that... Um, people think I should mention about Jedi. I will say here, this is the spoiler checkpoint. So if you have not listened to at least episode six of A Shattered Galaxy, stop here. The, I'm just, I'm just trying to think. Um, mention the different talent trees. Mm-hmm. Do you mind, partially from my understanding, um, what's the different, like what that morality looks like? Because that's something I don't, quite understand is so like I've, how that so i've 
ruled the morality pretty heavily. The one downside to mixing force users and non-force users is that they have different narrative demands. Non-force users, people built with the edge of the Empire core book, only have that obligation. Uh, Jedi also have, or rather force users also have uh, like a morality score um, that is calculated. I personally wanted to change that around a little bit because my personal goal with this campaign was to do different things with the notion of how force users operate in the galaxy. So those rules weren't particularly germane to my ends, but that's a house rule choice that I'm making. So in short, I guess you don't need to worry about it. And I looked it over as we talked about seven months ago and decided I wanted to do something different. So no, I can't talk about it. Okay, spoilers for everybody is what that means, including us. (laughs) Okay, I think that was mostly it that covers spoiler things for where this episode will be. um, Mm -hmm. We can't get into uh, too much other detail, but um, yeah, I can't think of anything else. Does anybody have anything else that they think is a good idea to talk about? Not that I can think of. Cool. I think that's... All the all the big crunchy stuff. <clears throat> um, well, then thanks guys. You guys are giving me a lot of your Saturday, so I appreciate that. That is exactly what that is exactly <laughs> how to use them, so <clears throat> Joe Exotic the Hut. <laughs> Joe Exotic the Hut. I, I might, I might cl- include that hut. <laughs>